What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Extra Points in the NFL Podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. Happy day after Halloween, <laughs> I guess. Happy. I hope you guys had a great Halloween. Whatever you did, I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, where I live, we have just a metric boatload of trick or treaters every single Halloween, and I don't know. I'm I'm kind of anti Halloween. Not that I'm like anti the holiday itself. I I just don't like it, and I guess I'm just one of those guys because I cannot stand probably like 90% of holidays. Uh, like I'm not not a big fan of Christmas. Not a big fan of Halloween. Not a big fan of Valentine's Day. I like Thanksgiving. <laughs> that's that's just about it. But yeah, I mean, I mean. Anyways, I hope you guys did have a have a good night last night. Whatever you guys did with friends, family. Hopefully, it was a good time. We had a good weekend of football. We really, really did. I mean, a lot of the games that we didn't really expect much of, they actually delivered. And some of the games that I guess we expected a lot of, just really didn't. But we had a lot of re- really close games again, and. I don't know, I, I kind of like it that way, even though, uh, for the most part, closer games tend to be lower scoring. This week we had some some higher scoring games, we had some action, some touchdowns, so it, it was a good time, I, I guess. Most most of the games this week, they were actually uh, fun to watch. I wasn't really pulling out my pulling out my hair, wanting to like bleach my eyes or anything watching any of these things, which is which is really, really good. And, I mean, pick-wise, we had another pretty pretty good week. Uh, we went 11-3. Overall, in our three locks that we had, uh, three and zero, which which is definitely pretty nice. The only ones that we got kind of foiled on was the Jaguars, uh, kind of choking it late in the end there. The Raiders, oh my God, I started off with the Saints, but then I saw Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry being on, and I was like, yeah, well they're probably going to get their asses kicked now, and oh my God, no, just the complete opposite. Raiders are a tire fire. And then finally, the last wrong came. Uh, Monday Night Football with the Bengals, of course, falling to the, well, not just falling, they got their asses handed to them by, by the Browns, but, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into that, we'll get into all of that uh, on today's episode, just want to go through our little, little review show, kind of get into everything, and, yeah, like I said, I, I got a lot of thoughts on a, on a bunch of different teams this week, and a couple of these might be a little bit of a rant, a couple of them might not be, but really do hope you guys enjoy, so, I mean, without further, further ado, let's kind of get into it. I mean, first off, let's just get the get, get the London game out of the way. Of course, it had the Broncos in it, so you knew it was going to be really a pretty shitty game. And just about every single game that the Broncos are in, the under hits. And I, I believe that I said that. The over-under here was about 40 and a half. And again, once again, only 38 points. So anytime the Broncos play, just, just hammer the under. You can honestly put up a second mortgage on the under, and it'll still probably hit, no matter who they play. But... I don't know. I think the big story of this game is neither team did well. It's just at the end of the day, the Broncos made a little bit less mistakes just when it came down to it. And it sounds weird to say that, but I mean, when you have a proven veteran at quarterback as opposed to a rookie, well, essentially a rookie in Trevor Lawrence. I know he had last year, but I I hardly want to count last year as development because he had Urban Meyer and that whole debacle going on. But I mean, Russell Wilson, it really came down to, I mean, he started off poorly, but then towards the, I want really second half, I guess is really the best, best way to put it is, is when he kind of, I guess, settled into his role and he looked more like a game manager that honestly, I think he should be. And they kind of struggled. 
They, they really did. They, they struggled, like, right in the middle of the second half as well. It was it was a long game. It, it was a pretty bad game. So for those of you who also woke up really, really early to come watch this thing, I, I do apologize. But, I mean, the game started off pretty pretty meh. I mean, both teams pretty much went a three and out, essentially. I think the Jags might have went, uh, like, four and out. because like I think they got a first down on their first play, but then went three and out after that. But... Yeah, they both punted, and then Russell Wilson threw a back-breaking, just terrible, terrible interception that Tyson Campbell uh, picked off. And then from there, the Jags had, what, not even 40 yards of field to work with in order to get a score. And so uh, Trevor Lawrence kind of took them right down pretty easily. And, yeah, I I mean, they, they scored no problemo really, really quick. So they got on the board early. And then from that, it was just really back and forth. I mean, the Broncos ended up punting again. Trevor Lawrence threw a terrible interception, another punt, and then they uh, exchanged scores towards the end of the, the half. And like seven to 10 at half, it looked, it was just a weird game because the Jaguars in every facet, in my opinion, uh, outside of quarterback, really, they outplayed the Broncos. They had a much, much better run game. They had a much, in my opinion, better defense. They they picked off Russell Wilson. They held the run game to just over 100 yards. It was 101 total. Russell Wilson, once again, couldn't pass to save his life. I mean, when you when you allow only, I don't know, 330 yards, yards of offense total, you get three sacks on them, you pick them off. They played very, very well, especially for being the less talented defense. Now, the Broncos um, might have had like a little bit better of a statistical day defensive-wise with two takeaways in about 300 yards of offense, but they have more have more players, I guess. They have more big names. They have more guys that can actually contribute. So I thought that the Jags' defense really stepped up to the occasion, but unfortunately they were let down mainly by their offense. Coming out of half, it was just another punt by the Jaguars they couldn't get anything going again and the uh, Broncos had probably their best drive that I've seen in I don't know dare I say all season 98 yards nine plays about five minutes It it was great they took up some clock but not too much they they went down the entire field they drove the entire length of the field and scored a touchdown and it was nice to see. I mean, it was nice to see that they got Melvin Gordon back in. In my opinion, he's the best running back they have right now that Javante Williams is gone. So I, I'm not a big fan of putting in Latavius Murray and Mike Boone and people like that. I mean, just for God's sake, give it to Melvin Gordon. He, he's a very good running back. I understand that he has the fumble issues, but he's your best bet. You should just roll with him. And now, right after that, it was just essentially a stalemate for, I don't know, the next quarter and a half. Went punt, 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 punt. Then finally the Jaguars and uh, scored a touchdown with not much time left. Just under four minutes left. Travis Etienne gets in a touchdown there to really cap off a phenomenal day for him. And then it was 17-14. to 14 And honestly, I thought that the Jaguars had it there because I, I had no faith in Russell Wilson or this offense to really get anything going. But sure enough, they had another great drive. It was seven plays for 80 yards, and it was fast as hell in just about two minutes, and then they finish it up with a with a touchdown uh, to Latavius Murray. And yeah, I mean, then they went up 21-17. to 17. The Jaguars had a little bit of a shot uh, towards the end there, but immediately after getting the ball back, Trevor Lawrence threw a pick and kind of sealed the game for the Broncos. And I mean, getting in just to the raw observations from this game. Trevor Lawrence, he's, 
I'm almost sick of making excuses for him. I mean, I love the dude, love the, love the hair. I mean, it's an absolute, absolute vibe with his hairstyle and stuff. Like, he, he's a good dude, too. And he had a very, very, uh, I don't know, no better way to put it. He had a shitty year last year. But a lot of that was because of the management and the top down with Urban Meyer and stuff like that. So I wanted to give him another chance with Doug Peterson. And earlier on in the season, I mean, starting 2-1, and one, having some pretty good victories, or maybe 2-0, and oh, I think. But I had some faith in... I, I really, really did, and I thought that he had a chance to look better, and he's just been, I mean, he has looked better, it's just he's been so inconsistent, he'll have a game or two, like he did in the beginning of the season, when we're like, wow, okay, he looks good, he's here, and then he'll have like three straight bad games, and like, okay, well, maybe we, we look too soon, then he'll have another one or two good games, and then, okay, well, maybe we're too quick to jump the gun, and then, boom, right again, I mean, as if on cue, he has another bad game today, or, shit, Sunday morning, but, yeah, I mean, it, I just don't know what to make of him, he didn't look good, he had two just horrendous interceptions that just shouldn't have happened, really the only bright spot for the Jaguars here, outside of their defense, is Travis Etienne, they traded James Robinson, obviously, to the Jets, and Travis Etienne looks like a stud, he had 24 carries, 156 yards, a touchdown, he was a force through the, not really through the air, uh, but, I mean, on the ground just in all phases because he, he was split out as a wide receiver at times and, I mean, he, 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 was, he was getting attention from cornerbacks. The corners were covering this, dude. It was, it was crazy and that really opened up things for like Evan Engram, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, stuff like that. It, it, was, it was pretty crazy. And Travis Etienne, he looks great and I'm, I'm really happy to see him get going. But outside of that, Jacksonville has so much to work for and, Looks like another lost season. Uh, they, they had some playoff hype earlier on in the beginning, but yeah, not 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 anymore <laughs> is really, really the best way to put it. Broncos, on the other hand, once again, they're still a mess in the backfield. I already said stop giving it to Latavius Murray. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather just pound it with a higher upside guy in Melvin Gordon. And more than that, I mean, their receivers, they're, they still don't have a stud. I guess, in, in the receiving core. They don't have a guy that's consistently having big games. I mean, Cortland Sutton, once again, was a ghost. Uh, Melvin Gordon, he can contribute a little bit through the pass game as well, but they didn't use him too much. Really, the only people with any decent amount of yardage was Hamler, Judy, and Greg Dulcich. And it just seems just so up and down with them. I, I They hardly ever go over 100 yards. They can't get anybody to have big games and they just have an anemic pass game. Russell Wilson, like I said, he looked pitiful for the first long portion of the game. I mean, he started off pitifully. He, he finished off on like a maybe 10 of 12 run with a touchdown, like 180 yards. But I mean, if you take that out of it, he was like, I don't know, 8 of 18, maybe 100 yards and a pick. Just not good. And they have a lot they need to figure out. I know that they won, but they're still 3-5. and five. They're not a good team, in my opinion, in... Yeah, it, it was a bad game between two bad teams, and it, it sucks that we had to send another another slobber knocker like this to the UK, but I mean, un- unfortunately, it just seems to be all the games that they're getting, and that, that we're giving them, at least, so that, that, that kind of sucks for them, and yeah, but I mean, I, let's just switch out of that crap fest and go to, honestly, in my opinion, the game of the week, and prior to this game, I know in the review I said this was going to be the worst game, and sure enough, it was absolutely not. Of course, I'm talking about the Carolina Panthers going to play the Atlanta Falcons. Now, the Falcons took the W here 37-34, to and what a game. This was just, 
Wow. I mean, it started off a little slow. Def, definitely not going to lie. And at the end of the half, it looked like it was it was going to be one of those defensive, low-scoring, just, just crappy games. And it, it really, really did. But the second half just exploded. And by second half, honestly, I mean like the last, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes of the game, they, they just kept exchanging scores. I mean, from... Yeah, pretty much 20 minutes left. All it was was just points, 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 points. And then, of course, we had an overtime that was exciting as hell. But, I mean, let's take it from the top. Very first play of the game, pretty much. Well, not not first game. I mean, there's an incompletion. But really, second play of the game, Marcus Mariota gets picked off. And I was like, oh, my God. So, that's going to be the kind of game it is. Because the Panthers have a good defense and a relatively crappy offense, at least I thought. But anyways, yeah, and then from there on, it's a little bit of a stalemate. Go back and forth. Panthers get a field goal, but still really, really just kind of back and forth. The, the first bit of action that we had, I guess the first real blood outside of a field goal, was the, was the uh, Falcons earlier on in the second quarter. Get a touchdown there. Uh, Panthers get a touchdown right after that. It's another punt. And then P.J. Walker throws a pick six, like pretty much right at the end of the half, which just seemed backbreaking. And it was to Lorenzo Carter. It was a great play by him. I mean, he, he punched it up in the air, it looked like. and Well, not not really up in the air, but got his hands up, tipped it to himself, got it, and just, just blew by him. And it was a great play, and it put the Falcons up at half. And Yeah, but I mean, coming out of half, it was a little bit of the same, a little bit of a stalemate, I guess. And then, like I said, um, earlier or later on in the third quarter, Shit hit the fan. I mean, the, the Falcons engineered a great drive. Marcus Mariota finally looked like he was getting things uh, together. They had things going on the run on the ground game as well. Tyler Algier and Chris Huntley look great. They're getting stuff done. And, uh, I, I mean, neither of them really had, I guess, the best, best yardage totals. But they get things going. And that, that that that's really kind kind of the biggest thing for me. I mean, I, I I like what they do. Chris, I mean, I think Tyler Algier, he only had like forty yards and like fourteen carries or so. But they were hard runs. They were good runs. It was, I mean, that that's the difference between I guess the Broncos and the Falcons. Like for the Broncos, they'll have those yards, uh, pretty much the exact same carries. I mean, I'm almost positive Latavius Murray was the exact same thing. But Latavius Murray's yards will all be ones where you look after the run. You're like, oh my god, if you would have just hit the first hole or taken the first cut, you would have had 15. And for Tyler Algier, he has nothing going for him. The Falcons cannot run block for anything, for their lives. And he'll just be pushing and pressing and getting the yardage. But, I mean, anyways, then, yeah, I mean, the the Panthers get the ball back, get a touchdown to the two-point conversion, and it's all tied up. And then I'm like, whoa, okay, things are going to start to heat up here because, I mean, the it just, it, things just started to pick up. You, you could feel it in the game, in the air, I guess. And and the team started pressing. You could tell the guys were, were playing harder. They are running harder. It just, it just looked like they upped the level of physicality. And, I mean, it's a, it's a divisional game, too. So, I mean, that definitely didn't hurt anything. But And then it goes field goal uh, to put the Falcons up. And then towards then, I mean, it's, it's close to the end of the fourth. It's like seven and a half minutes. And I was like, maybe that could be the last score of the game. But, no. I mean, Panthers get the ball back in... Just very, very, very quickly. They leave less than four minutes on the clock, get a touchdown, go up 28. I'm like, wow, okay, I guess that's it. And in my in my little pick 'em, I, I keep I keep notes of it on my on my notes app. And so I marked the Falcons down as an X. And I was like, because I picked the Falcons to win this game. And so I marked them down with an X. I was like, damn it, uh, bad break. Thought they would win this game, whatever. But then 
they got a touchdown. Three minutes left. Marcus Mariota just walked him right down the field. It was crazy. He was super, super just efficient with it, getting those nice little chunk yards, and then a huge uh, Demir Bird pass for a touchdown. I was like, oh, my God. No way. And then uh, the, the Panthers turned it over on downs, and the what do you call it? The Falcons got the ball back and, and got another field goal. And so then at this point, 34 to 28, the, the, the Panthers had, what, 30 seconds? Was it to march 75 yards or something like that? And I was like, okay, no NL PJ Walker does this. I marked the Falcons as a win. I was like, wow, that's, that's crazy. I got a good break here. And honestly, I mean, I mean sure enough, like, it was just a first and 10 pass, about 12 seconds left. You would have thought that they would have tried for, uh, what do you call it? Like just, just a little more, like a, a chunk yardage play, I guess, with the 12 seconds. So you make it a more manageable Hail Mary. But they didn't really need that. P.J. Walker launched a freaking cannon down the field, and D.J. Moore catches it. The Hail Mary, I was, I, I'm not even lying, my mouth dropped. And I'm not even one of those guys to, like, I guess visibly or audibly react to something crazy happening in sports or anything like that. But I'm not lying. I was watching the game. I was sitting there, and I, I said it out loud to myself. I was like, no way in hell this happens, right? And then he caught it. And then I'm not lying. She got my mouth dropped wide open. I was like, oh, my God. And that's kind of where I guess the controversy started because then I was like, wow, I can't believe they did that. They win because all they need was the extra point. And how the hell are they going to miss an easy extra point? Extra points are like, what, 30 yards max? But then the camera kind of pans over to DJ Moore, obviously, man of the hour, essentially. And he's taking off his helmet, running around, screaming, kind of like just flipping out and stuff. And sure enough, he gets a flag. Uh, obviously, it was the, the excessive celebration, which goes down as taunting. And I was like, oh, my God, no way. And then as soon as I saw that flag pop up on the screen, I was like, something's going to happen. Like, this is going to be something, isn't it? And sure enough, they backed up. It's, an, it's a 48-yard extra point, and Eddie Pinheiro misses it. Now, I don't put that on him. Yes, it's his job, and I know that a lot of people are like, oh, kickers just have one job. Yes, they do, but... It's 48 yards, an extra point at the end. I mean, it should have been 30, and it's so much easier, even with all that pressure, if it's a 30-yarder, just chip shot, sure. But, I mean, when you need to push him back so much farther, pressure on the line, he's not the greatest kicker in the first place. It's I, I'm not going to put it on him. It's entirely on DJ Moore, but, I mean, looking at it at the same time, you just catch a Hail Mary to essentially win your team the game. I, I get you going batshit crazy. I probably would have done the same thing. But nevertheless, we go to overtime, and Marcus Mariota throws a pick. And I was like, oh, my God. That, that's it. That's it for him, right? And they're at, like, the, like the 50, like 50 yards out from the from the end zone. And so I was like, yeah, there's no way that they don't make it. And the Atlanta Falcons' defense held up. I mean, they only gave up about six yards to the Panthers. And it was fourth and four, and... I mean, I mean they, they, they took it back, but it was still what? I mean, if, if they're at the 14-yard line, how, how far of a field goal is that? You think 10 yards for the end zone typically go 6, 7 yards back. So what, 30, 31, 32 yards of a field goal? That's a chip shot. That is one that I could make like almost prior to before I even started practicing as a kicker in high school. Like, that is a ridiculously easy field goal. I know that there's a lot of pressure, 
but you, you have the momentum. You just got the interception, and oh my god, he misses it again. And at this point, I'm just in like, like what, what the hell? Something's got to give. Sure enough, Falcons get the ball down. Um, Marcus Mariota really, I mean, yeah, he ripped off that big like 30-yard run, and they get a field goal out of it and win it. And holy hell, just such a good game. I, my, my god, I, I could, I could talk about this game forever. That was such a good game, and you really didn't expect it between these two teams. And the crazier thing about it is since the Saints also even I mean even with the Saints winning since the Buccaneers lost they were three and five so the Panthers and Falcons going into this the Panthers were two and five and the Falcons were three and four so if the Panthers won they would have been ahead of the division whereas if the Falcons won they would have been ahead of the division just ridiculous and so the Falcons won now they're four and four a game ahead in the division just ridiculous that the Falcons are ahead of the division this far into the season. Definitely didn't expect it, but hey, that's that's pretty sweet. Marcus Mariota looked great. I know he had those two picks, and both of them were honestly backbreaking, but they were really bailed out from him. He looked great on the ground. He had a good game through the air, finally. Three touchdowns, 250 yards, decent completion percentage. He looked great. Like I said, they had a good run game. Kyle Pitts finally got involved. It, it was great to see. Falcons looked amazing. Panthers, I mean, P.J. Walker, I think he's the guy going forward. Now, is he going to be the long-term answer? Absolutely not. But, I don't know, he's better than Sam Darnold, better than Baker Mayfield, so might as well just roll with him. Uh, Deonta Foreman continues to impress on the ground. Three touchdowns over 100 yards. He looks incredible. He's really benefiting from that uh, from that Christian McCaffrey trade. D.J. Moore had a great game. It, I think he just clicks more with, with P.J. Walker. Which is kind of funny because Baker couldn't make a great receiver in OBJ work, and then he also couldn't make DJ Moore work. It's just nice to see him kind of working things out. But yeah, I mean Panthers, still a bad team. Get it was an exciting game, but Falcons still not not the greatest team. But hell, you're first place in division, so I will give you the respect. Now next up we have the Bears at the Cowboys, and this was another sneaky good game. And I know that the score doesn't really indicate it, but this game was relatively close at some points, even though, I, I, I don't know, I, I guess the score was a lot closer than the game was, like, it always felt like the like the Cowboys were uh, much better than the Bears were, it, it really, really did to me, where, but, I, I mean, there, there were times when the score was close, and Dallas came out hot, they scored touchdowns on their first four possessions, which was, which was incredible, D- Dak had a pretty terrible pick towards the end of the half, and then, I mean, they're a little bit stagnant in the second half, but they only had four drives total in the second half if you don't count the, the kneel downs at the end of the game. And they got touchdowns out of two of them. Uh, they had defensive touchdowns thanks to Micah Parsons getting a, a fumble recovery touchdown. Hilarious, by the way. I'm, I'm blanking on the Bears player's name. I think his name was Field. Uh, not Fields, but one of them jumped over Micah Parsons rather than tapping him down, which is just a... God awful blunder, but de- de- definitely funny to watch. I'm not gonna lie, I-, I cracked up at that. That was that was definitely funny. But, anyways, yeah, the Cowboys' offense was firing on all cylinders. Tony Pollard is a stud. Uh, Zeke Elliott was out this game. He, he was kind of a last minute inactive. Tony Pollard got 14 carries, 131 yards, and three touchdowns. Ridiculous. That's almost 10 yards a carry. And I know that that, that Zeke he's getting paid the money. He's a bigger name. People like him more. He's more of a fan favorite. I think Tony Pollard's got to be the number one back in this offense. It's just week after week, he has that home run threat that Zeke doesn't have anymore. He constantly puts up points. It's 
it, it's just crazy to see. And I, I understand why the Cowboys haven't really pulled the plug yet. Just because, I mean, you're paying him, like I said, you're paying Zeke a lot and stuff like that. But he's, he's a much, much better player. And I would much rather go with Tony Pollard at the moment. He's cheaper, he's younger, he's faster, he's more explosive. Yeah, just rather go with him. Dak Prescott, he looked all right. Uh, he, like I said, he had he had a pretty terrible interception there, but he was accurate. Had a decent amount of yards. He looked more like a game manager still. I mean, CD Lamb finally had a decent game, but still not over a hundred. Dalton Schultz once again is a reliable target. Michael Gallup a good number two, and that that's really it for their receivers. I mean. Mike Davis, Tony Pollard, Jake Ferguson, I'm Hendershot, the other tight end, they, they got kind of involved. But outside of those three, no one catches any balls. It's it, it, it's a little concerning for the offense, but, I mean, hey, they, they put up a win against a pretty reasonable defense in the Bears, so you got to give them credit for that, at least. Now, on the Bears' side of things, Justin Fields had another good game. And I know that I'm, I guess, notoriously just a Bears hater, but... Justin Fields is starting to turn my, turn my, I, I, I don't know, turn my opinion around. He's still not doing well at throwing the ball. Yes, he was accurate, 17 to 23, but he still, he just struggles to get anywhere close to 200 yards. He had 150 this game. And I mean, he gets sacked a ton and a lot of those are his fault. Yes, he didn't throw any picks. He didn't have any fumbles or anything like that. He ran one in on the ground, but he can't continue to be solely like a threat on the ground. He needs to start developing things in the passing game, and I'm just not sure if he can do that. Khalil Herbert, once again, looks like the better back in this backfield. Uh, David Montgomery, they both had about the same carries, but Herbert had about 40 more yards and a touchdown. Once again, it's a case kind of similar to the Cowboys. I mean, Montgomery's obviously the name guy and the not, not the star because he's not getting really paid anything just yet, but he's their guy. Or at least he was supposed to be Khalil Herbert. He seems to be the better, more explosive guy. I'd continue to roll with him. And the Bears' receiving core, I mean, it's Darnell Mooney and nobody else still. But, yeah, I mean, their defense is good, but that, that might take a hit now just with, um, obviously, there's the news coming out about Roquan Smith, who just got traded to the Ravens. So, I mean, that that's going to leave a gaping hole in this defense. But, yeah, I mean, th this was a really good game. It wasn't anything too out of the ordinary. So really, the storyline is just, once again, the Cow the Cowboys' domination, mainly due to their defense. Four sacks. Michael Parsons obviously getting that fumble return for a touchdown. Dude's just an animal. He really is. He he lines up as a pass rusher. He, he does so many things. He, he's incredible. I, I like him a lot. And I think Cowboys are going to go far as long as they have Michael Parsons firing on all cylinders. Now, next game. This game was, was very, very good. I, I enjoyed it so much. And that's, of course, Dolphins at Lions in... The, the Lions offense finally got things going again. Uh, Jared Goff had over 300 yards through the air, had a touchdown. They looked good on the ground with Jamal Williams. And I know DeAndre Swift was back. He was very limited. I don't know if that was on purpose or they just wanted to keep going with Jamal Williams, but he only had five carries, whereas Jamal Williams had 10. So was an injury flare-up? I don't know. But, I mean, receiving game, TJ Hawkinson got things going. Amon Ross St. Brown's kind of back. Uh, DeAndre Swift got things going through the air more so than on the ground, but... Really, the story here for me is with the Dolphins and just, dear God, I mean, their entire offense. I was, I was sitting uh, with my brother the other night and talking about this. Their their offense is Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. It really is. That, that That is all it is because between the two of them, they had 100 or 294 yards and two touchdowns. 
20 receptions. And if you think about it, Tua only had 382 total yards. So outside of those guys, what, they had 88 yards passing and nine catches? I mean, that's just ridiculous. Tyreek Hill, I, I thought that he would still be kind of himself when he went to the Dolphins. I, I really did. But I didn't expect him to be anything remotely close to how good he is now. He's going off for, it seems like 170 yards and up is just a weekly occurrence for him. This is, it just feels like it's always 12 catches, 180 some yards. I I don't know why he's doing so much better with Tua, but I think that the only thing that I can really say is Tua is more reckless than Mahomes is. And is that a bad thing? Well, yes, but not necessarily when you don't throw any interceptions like Tua's doing. Tua had three touchdowns, no picks today, and what I mean by he's more reckless than Mahomes is, Mahomes would always chuck it deep to Tyreek Hill, but it seemed like he would only do so if Tyreek Hill was like wide open with like 10 yards of space on a defender. That, that Whenever I think of a Tyreek Hill touchdown in Kansas City, that's the only vision that I can really get. It, it really is. It's just him wide open, and it's a skied 60-yard perfectly placed ball. Now for Tua... I saw this probably two or three times during the game. And once again, it's not a bad thing. I'm not trying to bash Tua here. But Tua would huck the ball up into... At one point, there was a play. He just chucked it up into triple coverage on like a third and long or something like that. And it looked like any three of the Lions defenders could have had a shot at it. But then Tyreek Hill zooms in there, jumps up, and somehow for being as short as he is, jumps up and mosses all three of them, catches it, and brings it down. It just seems like like Tua is so just perfectly fine with giving Tyreek Hill those opportunities and it's really really paying off and it's really exciting to see him like that he's incredible I mean just it's just insane he's doing incredibly Jalen Waddle is benefiting from there being um the most the attention on Tyreek Hill so while Jalen Waddle I mean he doesn't get the yardage is what I'm going to say he doesn't get the yardage that Tyreek Hill has but he still gets over 100 yards he seems to be the touchdown machine he had two more today or Sunday, it was it was just incredible. Now they couldn't get anything really going on the ground as much. Raheem Mostert had some things going for him, but they they had just over 100 yards. So I mean, it's whatever. But yeah, th- their pass game is just ridiculous, and their defense was all right as well. But I mean, it, it's not really that big of an accomplishment, I guess, on the Lions' defense because the Lions' defense is pretty damn pitiful. I mean, the Lions were off a bye, I believe, though. So I mean, there's there's some props for you there as well. But Jared Goff looked good. I mean, over 300 yards, had only a touchdown. Like I said, they looked good on the ground. But outside of that, I mean, they got decent pressure on Tua. I think Aiden Hutchinson might have had a sack, or it, it might not have been uh, Hutchinson. It might have been uh, Malcolm Rodriguez. But one, one of those two, uh, I remember seeing getting a sack pretty early on. They had their way with that. But, yeah, all around an exciting game. I mean, pretty back and forth uh, for the most part. Most of the scoring happened in the... In the first half, though, the only thing that really happened in the second half was uh, two touchdowns by the Dolphins. And the rest of it, it, it was weird because the Dolphins really only had three possessions before the end of the game. Same with the Lions. So, yeah, it was a lot longer, more ball control second half. But it was an explosive and exciting first half. Every single drive ended in either a touch or like ended in either points or a forced turnover. So... Uh, obviously it was touchdown, then the Dolphins fumbled, and then went touchdown, 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 field goal, field goal, field goal. It was so cool. Just such a, such a fun game to watch. Now, next up, another pretty darn good game. It started off a little rocky, but ended in fireworks. The Vikings beat the Cardinals 34-26 to in Minnesota. Cardinals, yeah, it, it, it's pretty much done. 
I, I know that I've said that for a little bit now, but I'm about ready to call it now. You drop to three and five, and yes, that, that is still okay with your division, but they just don't look good. Uh, Kyler Murray, two picks. He had a decent amount of yards through the year, but a lot of it came towards the end of the game when it was it just felt like garbage time. I know he had the three touchdowns, and he finally started to run the ball a little bit more, but outside of that, I mean, Eno Benjamin got nothing. 2.4 yards a carry. I mean, come on, even um, Damian Williams, only 1.6. And when the Cardinals cannot run the ball, they're not a good team. When Kyler does not have a run game or the threat of the run to rely on, he is not a good quarterback. I I know it sounds like terrible of me to say, but he's not. He's not that good. He's not worth his contract, in my opinion. Uh, really, the, the, the standout for me, at least through the through the air, was DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, he came back. And for those of you, one of the big things that I said prior to the season is, like, I don't care what fantasy league you're in. Take DeAndre Hopkins. I know he's going to be out six weeks, but when he comes back, he's, he's Kyler Murray's favorite target. And for those of you that listen to me, congratulations, because you got a shit ton of points out of him this week. And it, it's definitely justified. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, 12 catches, 159, pretty much 160 yards, a touch, a touchdown. He's the Cardinals' entire offense. And, yeah, I mean, he looked great. That was really one of the only things to be excited about here. I mean, obviously, Rondell Moore and Zach Ertz both got touchdowns, and did it decently through the air, but that was more towards the end of the game. So DeAndre Hopkins is a stud, and I don't know. <laughs> it's nice for the Cardinals that he's back. Imagine if they had him and Hollywood Brown. Maybe they'd be in a little bit of a different situation. Uh, maybe if they had them both at the start of the season, they wouldn't be 3-5. and five. Maybe it would be 5-3 and three or something like that. But nevertheless, shit happens, <laughs> you know. Going over to the Vikings side of the ball, Kirk Cousins, once again, it's another Kirk Cousins game. This is probably like the third game in a row, it feels like, where he's exactly 66% completion percentage, a little over 200 yards, and two touchdowns. That just seems to be the Kirk Cousins stat line. It really is. And he also had a long run in the beginning of the game for a touchdown, too, which is pretty awesome to see. Uh, Delvin Cook, incredible on the ground, looked great through the air as well. Over 100 yards, touchdown. Alexander Madison looked good as well. He got involved. Justin Jefferson gets his, of course, just under 100 yards. Adam Thielen gets his. They look like an efficient run, just great offense. And their defense looked great today as well, Sunday as well. I mean, they, they capitalized on interceptions. They got some pressure on Kyler Murray, forced him into bad throws, uh, sacked him four times. It was just a complete all-around win for the Vikings in to me, this the score looks a lot closer than the game actually was in this case, and it got very close at a point. And I mean, it, it just seems to be that way for the Vikings because they'll pull out to a large lead. Like they had, they were fourteen to three at one point, and then at the end of the half, it was fourteen to ten. But it it seemed like the Vikings were winning by so much more than that. And then I the the Cardinals got ahead eventually. The, the Vikings kind of pulled back, getting all the way to 28-17. Then you're like, okay, that, that's kind of the game. The Vikings have the control again. And then they kind of choke it away. They let the they let the Cardinals get a touchdown. They fumble the ball away. Cardinals get a field goal after that. And then they're super close again. And then finally they just managed to pull it out. I'm a little concerned with the Vikings making every single goddamn game a close game. Getting a little sick of it, to, to be honest. Giving me a heart attack every time. But nevertheless, managed to win again. They're 6-1. Their division is pretty much a lock. I mean, they, they, they're a You might as well just crown them now. And to be fair, if the division continues to trend at this rate, you might as well crown them by like Thanksgiving or something like that. Thanks to the to the Bills kind of putting in some work on the Packers. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Congrats to the Vikings. They're really my second team in the Vikings, so I'm pretty pretty excited to see them doing well. 
And Cardinals, yeah, like I said, throwing the towel, you guys. It's just about over. Figure your shit out. I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury is the guy, but you just paid him. Honestly, Kyle Murray might not even be the guy, but nevertheless, you paid him enough. So, yeah, I mean, let's get into Las Vegas at New Orleans. Like I said, uh, New Orleans, they were supposed to have Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry out, and they both were. Did that matter? Not whatsoever. I thought that it would, but Chris Olave, he, he didn't even do much either. Their leading receiver and rusher was both Alvin Kamara, and my God, did he have a game. Three total touchdowns, almost 100 yards through the air, over 50 yards on the ground. He was Andy Dalton's best friend, and it really showed. Alvin Kamara just had his way with the defense. And, I mean, most of the scoring happened in the first half. By that, I mean the, the, the Saints scoring happened in the first half. They put up 17, then just got a single touchdown in the second half, and then it was really just a battle of punting, which which was kind of sad. And that that's another thing that I didn't like. I mean, just to kind of segue a little bit, it's the end of the third, you're down 24 to nothing, so you have about a quarter left, and you decide to punt the ball? What the hell are you doing, Josh McDaniels? Like, seriously, that, that, that's pretty embarrassing. And then the Saints turn the ball over on downs. I mean, they drain out about 10 minutes a clock, but then what they decide to do is, I mean, the, I, I guess that the game is essentially over uh, with like three minutes left, and they, they even put in Jarrett Stidham to see what he would do. But then they just do short, methodical plays. I mean, they did 14 plays in those three and a half minutes. They, they really just draining clock. And I know that the game's essentially out of reach at that point, but for the love of God, just try and do something. It seemed like they just rolled over and died so early on in that game. Like I said, for the Saints, I mean, Taysom Hill, once again, his gadget guy, picked up 60 yards on the ground himself. Alvin Kamara, he had a game of his life. And Andy Dalton continues to do well. The offensive line played incredible. No sacks allowed. Like I said, Alvin Kamara was able to have his way with everything. It was a great game for the Saints. Really kind of a statement win, in my opinion. Not that the Raiders are that great of a team, but you're kind of catching my drift. Now, Raiders, this is this is one that I think is probably going to be a little bit of a rant. They did nothing. The Raiders looked pitiful. They went out. They sold their souls this offseason to the devil. And what do they get in return? Jack shit. Absolutely nothing. Their drives this game went, and I quote, looking at the box score right now, punt, punt, downs, interception, punt, end of half. Punt, 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 end of game. Are you are you serious? You give up the farm for people like what? Didn't, didn't they sign Chandler Jones? Yeah, what's he doing? Nothing. Not a single sack on Andy Dalton. Probably goddamn near not even a freaking pressure. Terrible. Derek Carr, throwing a pick. Spend money on Devontae Adams. How, how well did he do? Well, he, he tried to run the ball. Negative yardage. Had one singular catch for three yards on five targets. What the hell is going on here? You paid him all that money. You traded all that capital for both him and Chandler Jones. What are they doing? Absolutely nothing. Chandler Jones had a singular tackle in this game. They cannot do a thing. Mac Hollins is your leading receiver and probably is almost the leading receiver on the season at this rate. Derek Carr threw 26 times, 101 yards, and a pick. Are you serious? Jarrett Stidham comes in 18 to 13 for 72. It might just be time to bench Derek Carr. Josh McDaniels, I'm ready to say it. I know that he had a stint with the Broncos, which most people were trying to like not not count or discount at that point. Now I was kind of that too. I was kind of like, oh well, forget what he did with the Broncos. He has a shot now. He can do something. I have faith in him. He was terrible. He does not look good. He does not look like a good head coach. This team looks flat. This team looks terrible. This team looks poorly coached. They're not a good defense. They're not a good offense. McDaniels is supposed to be an offensive genius. I don't know if it's McDaniels. I don't know if it's Carr. 
I, I'm not saying fire McDaniels after one season, especially after paying all that money. Derek Carr, I think it's time to move on. Would I be surprised if Jarrett Stidham starts next week? No, I wouldn't, because Derek Carr sucks. He looks terrible, and he got his best friend in Devontae Adams. Well, Devontae Adams looks terrible without Aaron Rodgers. Not saying that Aaron Rodgers looks much better, but, I mean, Devontae Adams isn't doing a thing. Sure, he'll have a boomer bust week, but when he faces a semi-decent defense like the, like the, like the Saints, he can't do a thing. Derek Carr looks pitiful. The Raiders look pitiful. Just what a joke. Oh, my goodness. That, that's just about enough for that game. Saints, congratulations on the win. Raiders, just, just hard to watch. Really, really hard to watch. So, next game, we're going to go into the Patriots at the Jets. This game was a beatdown, and the Patriots won by five points. So, what does that say about the Patriots? I'm not sure. Really, nothing good, in, in my opinion. Nothing good. I mean, they picked Zach Wilson off three times. He, he did have two touchdowns through the air. The, the Jets, without Brees Hall, it was kind of expected. Absolutely no run game. It was just bad. I mean, it was nice to see Garrett Wilson have a game finally. Went over 100 yards with someone other than Joe Flacco. Tyler Conklin looked good. Denzel Mims had a couple of deep, uh, big catches. But outside of that, nothing. I mean, Elijah Moore, he was whining and complaining and asking for a trade because, I mean, he he had, like, no place on the offense. Yeah, he was blanked again this week. Nothing for nothing. Braxton Berrios, same thing. Uzoma, they traded, they signed him to a decent deal. He's doing nothing. I mean, that's just a mess. Zach Wilson, like I said, I mean, he had a ton of yards. He threw for a lot of yards, but less than 50% completion, and a lot of it was in garbage time when it just didn't matter and the game was out of hand. Now, on the other, on the flip side, Mac Jones just did not look good. And the one thing that's going for the Jets is their defense. Their defense is scary. They sacked Mac Jones six times. They picked him off once. They looked great. And, I mean, the they held Mac Jones to net total of 161 yards. The team only had 127 total yards. The Jets outgained the, the, Jets outgained the Patriots by, I don't know, what, what was it? Like about 400 yards, maybe two, three hundred. They outgained him by over 100 yards. Just ridiculous. And... I don't know. I mean, that, that's just the cost when you have three turnovers like that. It, it really, really is. Mac Jones, he didn't look good. Once again, like I said, he took the six sacks. He had a touchdown. He also had a pick. He had a pick six that was called back. Thank God for him. On the ground, Ramondre Stevenson, once again, he looks good. But I, this is a game between two quarterbacks that I don't know if either is the answer for their team. Mac Jones, is it still a little early? Maybe. He, he had a good season last year. I know, but he hasn't looked good so far this season. Uh, do you go to Bailey Zappi? I don't know. I think if they lost this game and Mac Jones had that exact same stat line except the points were reversed, yes, I think Mac Jones would be benched. So he's definitely skating on thin ice. Patriots as a whole definitely are as well. But, yeah, I mean, that, that, that was a pretty boring game. It was a really crappy game, just a ton of picks, and that typically happens when it's Patriots versus Jets. But, yeah, just not a good game. Not not really No, no offense, <laughs> really, to speak of, but... Yeah. Now, next up, the bloodbath of the week. And it's funny because I told you guys, I remember on the on the previous show, I said I would take the Eagles minus 20. And sure enough, I mean, that still would have still would hit. <laughs> it still would have covered if I took a minus 20. 35 to 13, the Battle of Pennsylvania. Eagles come out on top. Looked close in the beginning. <laughs> Steelers punted. And then Eagles scored. And then the, then the Steelers scored. And you're like, oh, my God, 7 to 7. Can something happen here? And nope. And then the Eagles just kind of turned it on 
pulled away and just really took control of just about everything at, at, at that point. It was, yeah, it, it was a little, it was a bit of a rough day for the Steelers once again. The Eagles, my favorite thing that I saw from them, consistency throughout the game. They scored in every single quarter, finally, at least a touchdown in every single quarter, finally. Yeah, and I mean, the, the big thing, obviously, today, Jalen Hurts. My God, did he have a game. Six catches, 156 yards, three touchdowns. Jalen Hurts looked great through the air. I mean, a lot of that was obviously because of um, because of uh, Jaylen, because of AJ Brown, obviously. But 19 to 28, 285 yards, four touchdowns. They were whooping on the Steelers so hard. Gardner Minshew came in at a couple of throws. That was that was awesome to see. I love Gardner Minshew. Uh, they looked good on the ground. They didn't even run the ball too much. Miles Sanders only had nine carries, but he was reasonably close to 100 yards of those. He had 78 total with a touchdown. Uh, Jalen Hurts didn't even run too much, which is great to see him just work on that pocket presence and stuff like that, work on throwing the ball. And yeah, I mean, A.J. Brown, I mean, have a freaking day. Absolutely incredible. He looked great. Eagles just looked great. They absolutely rolled. Their, their defense was incredible. Obviously, they picked off Kenny Pick. And they sacked him six times as well. They they just made this this offense look look pitiful. And yeah, I, I mean, not really much else you can say about the Steelers. Kenny Pickett threw almost forty times again, not even two hundred yards. Obviously got picked. I mentioned the six sacks. They had Najee Harris and Chase Claypool both attempt passes, which I mean they completed, but. They're just throwing everything and the kitchen sink at every single opponent they play. They're doing these stupid dinky trick plays, and they're getting nowhere. They're throwing in these trick plays with having your receiver throw it to a fullback for a touchdown and having your running back make a pass, and you're getting whooped by 22 points. Just brutal. And it seems like they can't even just get a number one receiver with all the talent that they have. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, and you just can't get anybody. Pat Freermuth was the kind of, I guess, beneficiary this week. He had 57 yards. Claypool was next, then Deontay Johnson. But none of these guys, it, I mean, Freemuth had 57. Claypool was 45. Deontay Johnson, 35. Pickens didn't even have a single catch. I mean, dear God, it's just, it's just not good. And this offense is terrible. Kenny Pickett also had a fumble. It's, I don't know. I, I don't even really even know what to what to say about the Steelers. They're just so hopeless. And I know that they beat the Buccaneers, but it's just, it's they, they just need to let it bottom out, really. They're 2-6. and six. They're probably relatively close to the bottom of the, <clears throat> just, just really a bottom of the league at this point. Uh, right now, they're, they're fourth worst, technically, because I believe D- Detroit's honestly in last place with 1-6, and six, and it would be the Texans. Yeah, they're 1-5-1. And, and then... Well, there's a couple of teams that are two and six. I think the Raiders are, the Jacksonville is, Pittsburgh is, is Carolina? Yeah, I think I think yeah, Carolina is. That's right because they lost as well. So there is a couple of teams that honestly they should just work on bottoming out. They're not going to go anywhere, and it, it shows. It, it's pretty pitiful to watch. Now next we have some of the late afternoon games getting into this part of the slate. Obviously we have the Titans at the Texans, and Ryan Tannehill didn't play. I got the news like right after I finished filming my uh, preview show, and yeah, it said, yeah, Malik Willis is going to make his first start, and I was pretty excited to see it, but I saw nothing, <laughs> and absolutely nothing. He had 10 passes, completed six of them for 55 yards and a touchdown, and they won. 
and it wasn't even all that close through most of the game. I mean, oh my god. It's got to be like the the lowest amount of passing yards a team has had in a win in God knows how long. I, I can't even remember a game kind of like this, but why did they win? Because of their run game. Derrick Henry and Dontrell Hilliard both went off. Dontrell Hilliard was the backup, had eight carries for 83 yards. Derrick Henry was just given the rock every single time, it seems like. 32 carries, 219 yards, and two touchdowns. My goodness. He just ran over him. He took complete advantage of the <clears throat> of the Texans. Looked great. And, yeah, I mean, that, that's really all that happened. It was, it was a 17-10 to 10 game. Really, really short. Nothing is really going on here. Nothing exciting whatsoever. Davis Mills, he was pitiful. There was a time when he was like 5 of 19, it felt like, or just something like that, 5 of 13, I don't know. But he had hardly any yards. He had 17 yards at the end of half passing and a pick. Just terrible. He, he's not it. it. It's time to say it. I, I'll call it on it. I know that I like him a lot. Da, um, Damian Pierce didn't even get anything going on the ground. They're, they're just a terrible team, and they got a touchdown like the last minute or so of the game, which... I mean, who the hell even cares at this point? Texans, you guys suck. Titans, wow, I mean, you pulled out a gritty win without a quarterback, essentially. So, congratulations there. Now, here we have the Commanders going to the Colts, and this game was kind of like I thought it would be. It was pretty pretty back and forth, a little, little rusty, I, I guess. Uh, not, not, not really rusty, but it, it's a new quarterback for the Colts, so... Really, what do you expect coming from it? You're not going to get anything too exciting, but Sam Ellinger looked okay. 17-23, just over 200 yards. He adds a rushing threat, even though he didn't get too many yards on the ground there. I like what I see with him. I think he has promise. He really, really does. And, I mean, on the opposite side, for Washington, they didn't do too much there either. They really, really did not. And is that okay? Yeah, for sure. I mean, T- Taylor Heineke, he did just enough to game manage the game. He had another interception, but he had a touchdown. 23 of 31, 280 yards or so. Not bad. He ran it on the ground, too. I think he had a touchdown in running on the ground. It was cool to see their run game really evolve. They had Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, Brian Robinson, Curtis Samuel, all those guys getting touches. It was, it was cool to see. They, they, they really are incorporating some new things. Terry McLaurin went off. Scary Terry right around Halloween time. Perfect, perfect pairing, I guess. Antonio Gibson is crazy through the air. I don't know what's happening. He had a terrible season last year. Everyone thought he was down and out. It seems like he's playing pissed off, and I like it. He's looking good. Really, my major takeaway for this game, Colts, I don't want to say it's too early to call it, but you better hope Sam Ellinger really gets into it. But outside of that, he looks terrible. Uh, well, not not he, but the, the Colts just look terrible. Jonathan Taylor's a shell of his former self. Absolutely nothing. Michael Pittman couldn't even get anything going. Alec Pierce is a bright spot, I guess, but your defense looks bad. Taylor, Ellinger both lost a fumble. They're, they're just not good. It, it's just hard to watch. And then Washington, is, is Taylor Heineke the answer? Really? Like, is he the guy that we should honestly be going with? Is he is he that dude? He just very well might be. He, he's looked good. He really, really has. I mean, again, he was average today, but he's able to carry the team to wins, even though they're ugly and very, very close like this one. Their defense looks good. I like it. I think that they're doing well. They're just a decent all-around team, and I mean, they have a relatively weak schedule, especially within their, well, not, not really within their division now, because their division seems pretty good, but they, they can definitely get some wins. Will they be a playoff team? Absolutely not. They don't have enough time, but with that being said, Taylor Heineke, you're doing well. You can take them somewhere. You really, really can. Now, next up, what we have... 49ers at the Rams. This is always, always, no matter what, it's always a good game. 
It really always is. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, it's a good rivalry. It, I mean, I kind of struggle to call it a rivalry, if I'm being completely fair, because in my opinion, a rivalry needs to be uh, kind of two-sided. Like, you need to go blow for blow, punch for punch. I mean, it's, it's not really like that. It's kind of like how Buffalo Bills fans for a while would say that the Patriots are the biggest rivals. It didn't really work like that because the Patriots would hand the Bills their ass every single time. It was no competition. It wasn't really a rivalry. Sure, the Bills hated the Patriots and wanted to whoop their ass every single time they played, but they never could. And at least in the regular season, since Jimmy Garoppolo really got to the 49ers, it's kind of been that way for the Rams and the 49ers. In this case, the Rams, I guess, would be the Bills in the regular season because Jimmy Garoppolo in the regular season, I believe now he's 7-0. and against the Rams and Sean McVay, it's just ridiculous. He never loses to him. It, it's just, I don't even know what it is. It Just some some kind of curse, I guess. And one of the cooler things out of this game, I mean, well, I guess before I get into like the statistical things, I kind of want to go over the game itself. This was one of the, probably the best, closest games on the, on the slate. And it, it, the, the score doesn't even indicate that it was that close. The 49ers won by 17 points. Most of that came because of their whole, of their second half. The first half here, the, the Rams looked pretty damn good. The Rams came out. I mean, it started off stagnant. The Rams took first blood, and then they kind of exchanged points. By the end of the half, the Rams were up 14-10, to 10, but it didn't feel all that close. It felt like the Rams were kind of running away with it. Uh, Matt Stafford was looking pretty good to start off with. Cooper Cup was obviously just Cooper Cup getting open all he could. Even Allen Robinson, he was getting involved, which was crazy because he really hasn't had many games where he's actually done something this, this season so far. Uh, Tyler Higby, obviously, he went down pretty early, which really sucked in the Rams running game. Still just absolutely non-existent. Cam Akers is still having their little, just that little spat or whatever the heck it is. Um, and I mean, Daryl Henderson, he, it seems like he's getting pushed to the back burner now too. They gave Ronnie Rivers, who I think he's a rookie, um, but yeah, he, he, he's a new he's a new running back. I believe this is his rookie season. He had the most touches for the Rams, and he didn't do much at all with them. Cooper Cup had a couple carries. Um, and then, what's his name? Uh, Malcolm Brown, he also had a couple. Th- th- their backfield's a revolving door. They have absolutely nobody to tote the rock. And Matt Stafford, I said that he started off high. He kind of finished really, really sluggishly. 66%, but he threw 33 times for only 187 yards and a touchdown. Not too great. He was sacked in... The second half was just kind of when the the Rams almost gave up. <laughs> Not really. I mean, it, it seemed like that, at least. Uh, Nick Bosa, dude's a stud. He he really really is. I I picked him for defensive player of the year, and I'm just gonna come keep I guess um, blowing his ego up. I guess. he's he's so good, and he constantly constantly uh, is a force on this 49ers defense. But really, the the, the player of the day was Christian McCaffrey. He had such an incredible game. He was the first player in God only knows how many years. I think I said like 2003, maybe, to have a rushing touchdown, a passing touchdown, and a receiving touchdown all in the same game. Uh, yeah, I mean, you heard that right. He's He really is a do-it-all kind of guy. It took him one week to get installed in the playbook for Kyle Shanahan. Last week, he didn't look that great. He looked... Like, he was just kind of getting used to everything this week. Oh, my goodness. He was one of one passing for 34 yards and a touchdown, which was which was pretty awesome. I believe he threw it to uh, Brandon Ayuk, maybe. Or it might have been Kittle. I'm not, not, not quite sure which of the two caught it. But then later on in the game, he had a rushing touchdown. Then he also had a receiving touchdown. A beautiful over-the-shoulder grab from Jimmy Garoppolo. 
he was just an animal. And for anyone who went up against him in fantasy, fantasy this week, me, I, I feel bad for you because he put up damn near 40 points. Like I said, he had that passing touchdown, 34 yards through the air. He had 94 yards on the ground and a uh, rushing touchdown. And then he had eight catches, eight catches for 55 yards and a touchdown. It was ridiculous. In terms of all-purpose yards, he almost had 200 himself along with three touchdowns. He was incredible. And, I mean, with that being said, that, that's kind of what fueled the, the 49ers in the second half. They they went into halftime, like I said, the Rams were up 14-10, to 10, and the defense kind of cinched up and forced the Rams to punt on every single drive that they had. They had four total drives, five if you count the, the one that ran it down at the end of the game. But... The 49ers came out a little rusty. Well, not, not again, not, not rusty, but they came out slow, punted away. But the, from then on, it was three straight touchdowns. And just crazy. I mean, 11-play, 88-yard drive for the first one of them. And that was that was obviously the uh, Christian McCaffrey recep- reception that he had. Then the, the next drive after that was like 60 yards or something like that. Christian McCaffrey ran it in. And then right after that, they marched the whole field again. Uh, George Kittle catching a pass from Jimmy Garoppolo for the touchdown. So it was, I don't know, the second half was just a complete beatdown on the 49ers' part. They really, really took the Rams to the cleaners then. So, yeah, I mean, once again, I, I want to call it a rivalry and say that I like this rivalry. But it, it doesn't seem like a rivalry. It's pretty damn one-sided. Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo just keep getting the best of the Rams in this scenario. Uh, 49ers up to 4-4, four and four, Rams down to 3-4. and four. I'm pushing the panic button on the Rams. I really, really am. They're not really out of it in this division because everyone's really close. But it's also weird because the Seahawks are leading the division. And speaking of the Seahawks, we have our next matchup. That matchup being obviously the New York Giants traveling to Seattle. And this was kind of a, it, it was a big game in the sense that Whoever lost this game would be suspect to being to be called a fraud by really everybody because you have the Giants at six and one, but everyone's kind of saying, "Hey, are the Giants really six and one caliber team?" And then you had the Seahawks at four and three, who were surprising everybody, but it also had that kind of underlying factor, like, "Hey, I mean, the Seahawks suck, but they they've gotten a couple wins, right?" They're both teams that we weren't quite sure of how they would play, and my God. I mean, the, the, the Seahawks just obliterated the Giants. They only won by 14, and I know I'm saying only, but it, it it feels like they won by a lot more than that, I guess, is the easiest way to put it. The Giants were just stagnant on offense. They could not get anything going. The game was really close for the most part, uh, really just due to a bunch of ineptitude on Seattle's half. Uh, just a lot of punts. Uh, say the Seahawks would get a touchdown, then the Giants would score, and Giants would kick a field goal, then the Seahawks would kick a field goal. It was just really back and forth. And it, I don't know, it, it like I said, it was really close, really sloppy football towards the end when the Seahawks really started to pull away. And the big story in here for me, again, is Geno Smith. He continues to amaze. He's doing... He's just so efficient, and this wasn't even like a star-studded, spectacular game for him. He was 23-34, just over 200 yards, but he had two touchdowns, which were pretty big. I mean, one to Tyler Lockett, one to DK Metcalf, both of whom weren't even supposed to play in this game. They were game-time decisions, both erring on the side of probably not playing, was the prognosis, which I saw the day before, but then they both decided to play, and they both showed up. Uh, They both pretty much had the same 
uh, kind of stat lines here. Uh, Lockett was 5 for 63 in a tug. DK was 6 for 55 in a tug. So they both did super well. Kenneth Walker on the ground, really, really slow start, but eventually he got one going and he popped off a run for a TD as well. Not the best game for Kenneth Walker, but hey, I mean, he got one in the end zone in the Seahawks in general. Their defense is really coming together. They sacked Daniel Jones five times. Tariq Wollin, I don't think that he got any um, any fumble recoveries or turnovers or anything in this game. So unfortunately, that streak has come to an end for him. But yeah, I mean, Ukemo Nwosu, I believe that's how you say his name. He had two sacks. He looked pretty good. Cody Barton was good. Boy Mafe believe he, he was out there as well. They look good. The Seahawks defense is really, really coming together. And just how about that draft class this past year? I gave him a lot of crap for it. Well, n- not really a lot of crap. It's just I thought it was a weird one because I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't high on Charles Cross uh, where they took him. I, I didn't think that they should have taken an alignment. I thought they had a lot more pressing needs. I, I was in the boat of, oh, I take a quarterback. Thank God they didn't because they had Geno Smith. Tariq Woolen, he's shining. Kenneth Walker, like I said, he looks like a stud. Just props all around for the Seahawks. They won this game, and now, <laughs> it's funny enough, but they're in the driver's seat of their division. They're at 5-3, and three. the next closest is the 49ers at 4-4, four and four. so the Seahawks are atop their division, and right now in the playoffs as a, what, 3-4 or four seed? Just ridiculous that Geno Smith is doing that. On the flip side for the Giants, they were finally exposed. And I can tell that all the power rankings this week, at least, they are going to be going way down. They're going to take a tumble. Will it be a little bit over-exaggerated? Maybe. But at the same time, they really did get exposed against a team that people still think is not that high quality in Seattle, regardless of their little uh, hot streak to start the season. The Giants are still 6-2, and two, has the same record as the Cowboys, which is kind of crazy to think. But they, they don't really feel like it. And after this game... We really just see all the warts kind of front and center right now. Daniel Jones, once again, can't even get to 200 yards, except this game he wasn't even a factor on the ground. Saquon Barkley was bottled up for most of the game. He didn't do anything through the air on the ground, just barely got to 50 yards and a touchdown towards the end there. But yeah, I mean, this is the point where we're starting to see the Giants receiving core really just kind of start to, I don't know, bottom out. Darius Slayton was their leading receiver, and then everybody else, I mean, we're looking through, and we don't, like, who the hell are these guys? Tanner Hudson? Who's that? I mean, you have Matt Breida, uh, and then, Saquon, like I said, Saquon Barkley didn't everything. Chris Myrick, fullback? I mean, come on, you just, they, they need some kind of receiving help here. Obviously, they traded away Kadarius Tony. Richie James lost two fumbles, just, just really, really bad. It was a bad game all around for the Giants in... I know that it's a loss, and they probably don't deserve to plummet as far as they will in a lot of people's eyes, but yeah, it was it was pretty backbreaking, especially in a big, big situation for them, because imagine if they were 7-1. and one. I mean, dear God, that would have been incredible. Giants fans would have been pretty insufferable for that, but yeah, they kind of got a little bit of a reality check here. Still in good position, don't get me wrong. They still have a couple of winnable games on their schedule. Obviously, they play the Commanders again. Uh, I believe they had the Lions, maybe the Falcons at some point, the Bears, they have winnable games, and they're still in a good prime position to possibly make it to the playoffs as a wild card. But with the Eagles winning and the Cowboys winning as well and looking good, there's no way in hell that they're going to win their division. But, I mean, they still could contend for a wild card spot. Now, finally going on to Sunday Night Football. This is a pretty disappointing game. I mean, obviously, like I said in the preview, prior to the season, this was a lot of people's Super Bowl picks. And 
I mean, it's supposed to be a good game. I mean, you have Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, playing Josh Allen, who's kind of getting to the top of his top of his game, really, I guess. And he's, he's climbing that. He's supposed to be the, the front runner for the MVP. And it was supposed to be a great, great shootout sort of style. And it's not even that it was bad because it was a defensive style of game. It was just a very a weird game. It really, really was. I mean, it started off with the Bills having a three and out, which was odd enough. The Packers, first drive, they go for it on fourth down. They turn it over on downs for an incomplete pass. And then the Bills kind of caught fire there, uh, rattled off three quick touchdowns on consecutive drives, and then got the ball back. Big strike down to uh, Stefan Diggs, and they set up a field goal before halftime. And going into halftime, it was 24-7 to the Bills. And it looked like everyone was going to like uh, the Bills were going to run away with it at this point. Josh Allen at that was like eight of ten for hundred something yards, two touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers hardly had forty yards. The only thing that the Packers were doing well was running the ball, which they need to continue to do. Uh, they got a touchdown in there to uh, what's his name, Blank- Romeo Dobbs. That's it, the rookie. Incredible catch. That that was an incredible catch. It was a great drive. Ate up a lot of clock. They looked great on that drive, but. It seemed like the game was still out of hand. And then, I mean, coming out of that quarter, the Packers got the ball back, seemed kind of content with just running it, and they got some points out of it, a field goal. Uh, They exchanged field goals. And then it was just sloppy because the Packers turned the ball over on downs, and then the next drives uh, were just three consecutive drives resulting in an interception. I mean, Josh Allen threw a terrible Terrible interception. I mean, he he tried to throw it across his body, and when you replayed the when you when it replayed on the screen, I mean, you could hear the broadcast booth saying like, "Hey, he was just trying to flick it across his body to Gabe Davis, and he didn't see Rasul Douglas." But still, it's one of those throws that, yes, Josh Allen is able to make it. He has that caliber of an arm, but you're never supposed to throw across your body across the middle of the field, and he paid for it with a pick. Then on the very next play. Aaron Rodgers attempts a pass, and it's intercepted by Matt Milano. Tim Settle like batted it up at the line of scrimmage. Matt Milano picks it off, and then the Bills get the ball back, start to drive the ball a little bit. I mean, Josh Allen has a pass to uh, James Cook. He gets, a, he gets a huge, huge gain there. Then just another really just terrible interception. It looked like Josh Allen was trying to trash the ball, just throw it away, and then Jair Alexander comes away with the pick. And... After all this and all these mistakes, it was still 27 to 10. So I, I saw both inter- interceptions happen, and I'm sitting there, and it's weird because every single time I see an interception happen, I'm like, oh my God, that's terrible. But it was weird because he threw the picks, and I just didn't care. I was watching it with, my, with um, Alex, my younger brother, and he threw the interception. I was like, damn, and we were, we were a little upset. But I was sitting there, and I was like, wow, why, why don't I care? In I didn't care because it seemed like the Packers just didn't have a shot at getting the ball anywhere into the end zone or anything like that. And for the most part, that was true. I mean, at this point, after both interceptions, the Packers had the ball, and there was like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they were down by 17 points, and the Packers are just running the ball. They're draining clock. They're like eating clock down 17 points. I just didn't understand it. And they, they ate a lot of time off the clock. Uh, Samari Toure, another one of their rookies, an undrafted guy or a seventh-round guy, I believe, for the Packers, got wide open on a touchdown, uh, made it 27-17. to 
Bills get the ball back and punt, and it's still at this point where I'm just not worried, and I don't know why, because it's getting closer, Bills can't do anything with it, but yeah, and then sure enough, I mean, they do these, they keep doing the short passing game, the Packers do, but they don't even try to get out of bounds, it was just so weird, it seemed like they had no, no care for the clock, I guess, and they just drained the clock out seemingly on themselves, needed to attempt a long field goal, then an onside kick after, but they missed the field goal so then the Bills could just kneel out the clock. That was the end of the game, 27-17. to Another thing that I'm pissed at is I said that the score of this game would be Bills 28, Packers 17, so I was one point away from predicting this score correctly. Definitely pissed me off a little bit, not gonna lie, that kind of hurt there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, more so, it was just a bad game. It really, really was. It was super exciting in the first half, and then after that just was not. Aaron Rodgers just barely got over 200 yards, and going into the fourth quarter, he had 70. That's how bad this game, like, that's how terrible this Packers offense is. They have nothing. Christian Watson went out early in the game with an injury. Al Lazard already wasn't playing. The only good part about this was Aaron Jones on the ground. I mean, A.J. Dillon did a little bit as well, but Aaron Jones had 20 carries for 143 yards, and yeah, he, he was pretty incredible. And Romeo Dobbs, he, he flashed a little through the air, but other than that, the Packers' offense is just anemic, and their defense wasn't much better. Obviously, Quay Walker got ejected for shoving a, for shoving a coach. It was just a comedy of errors by the Packers. And then on the Bills' side, it wasn't much better. Like I said, they started off hot, and at the end of the first half, it was 24-7. You thought they were about to start running away with it. Josh Allen looked perfect, but then in the entire second half, I mean, Josh Allen went 5-14 of with two picks. Not good. Absolutely not. He looked terrible in the second half. The Bills' run game was working so well but they just decided not to go with it. And there were a couple of times when Josh Allen himself could have tucked it and ran with it for a first down, but like on the on picky through to Rasul Douglas, he just tucked it, or he could have just tucked it and ran and easily picked up the first down, but he tried to force something and threw a pick. Same thing with the Jair Alexander interception. He could have ran for a couple of yards, but he tried to just throw it into the ground and Jair Alexander ended up picking it off. It was just bad. Devin Singletary ripped off a bunch of big runs. He was averaging almost five yards a pop. Uh, James Cook, same thing. He was averaging seven. Allen was having his way on the ground, but he just kept trying to force it through the air, and it, ju- it just didn't look good. Outside of Stephon Diggs, the Bills receivers didn't do much, but I mean that kind of comes with the territory when your quarterback only completes 13 passes. So, yeah, it, it was definitely a terrible, terrible game for the Bills. Josh Allen really hurt himself in that in the MVP conversation, in my opinion. Right now, Mahomes looking like he's the guy that it's going to have to be after that game. He's kind of elevated over Allen because of that pretty poor performance by Allen himself. So, yeah, what looked like to be one of the games of the year um, preseason, yeah, completely and utterly disappointing, which really, really sucked. And, of course, once again, it's a terrible primetime game. And, I mean, speaking of terrible primetime games, let's go right into Monday Night Football with the Bengals visiting the Browns. This was a bloodbath. It really was. And I thought that it would be the Bengals killing the Browns because the Browns have looked terrible. I mean, they've lost some games that they shouldn't have lost, and they've been pretty darn bad, even though you could make kind of excuses as to why they should have won some of the games they lost. It was not even close. I mean, in the first half, it ended 11 to nothing, and then it got to a point where the Browns were up 25 to nothing. And then I want to say that was at the point, like towards the end of the third quarter. So then it was just the Bengals playing garbage time points, and they get 
two touchdowns in there and I mean whoop de doo. It's it's thirty two to thirteen is how it ended. It was it was bad. Joe Burrow looked pitiful once again on his very first drive. He he threw an interception and he did only have one interception. Outside of that, he doesn't look too bad. But his raw statistics don't do him any justice. Because if you look at it, you would say 25 of 35, that's not bad. 230-some yards, two touchdowns and a pick, that's not bad. But he was just airmailing throws. He was dirting throws. He missed a couple of guys wide open in the beginning of the game. I saw one on an easy route that he had to Tyler Boyd to pick up a first down. Just completely missed him. And he, he just looked off. He looked spooked. He was sacked five times. So I completely get it. But their offense could not get a thing going. They couldn't run the ball. But they didn't even try. They had 10 carries the entire game. It was it was just brutal. And if this is what they're going to look like without Jamar Chase, the, the Bengals might as well pack their bags now because they're not going anywhere if they continue to play like this. They have T. Higgins. They have Tyler Boyd. They have Hayden Hurst. They have Joe Mixon. They have people that they can throw the ball to even without Tyler Boyd or uh, Jamar Chase. So they got to start making things happen. And if you fall apart just because one of your three great receivers is out, I don't know. You're going to have issues. You really, really are. And then on the op- on the opposite side... The Browns were just, they were just having their way the entire game. I mean, they started off with a missed field goal, but that didn't even matter. And then on their very next drive, they tried to do some stupid uh, trick play sort of thing. They gave the ball to Amari Cooper, who tried to chuck it deep. And it, it was a terrible throw. He threw it directly to Von Bell. It, it, was, it was just so bad. It really, really was. Uh, Nick Chubb just pitched it back to him, and it was a bit of a comedy a little bit of a comedic play, I guess. And then it was stagnant up until pretty early on in the uh, in the second quarter. And then the uh, then the Browns got their first touchdown, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, I mean they got it there. And the the bad thing is is I mean they uh, what do you call it? They they went for the two point conversion. Believe they got it there. Got got the ball up to eight to nothing. And I was like, well, that's, that's a little bit of a weird score. Uh, and then it went fumble, fumble. Bengals missed a field goal. And then the Browns finally kicked one. It was just a very, very sloppy and messy and disgusting first half. It ended 11 to nothing. And then coming out of then, uh, the, the Bengals just, I mean, the Browns just kind of had their way. They, they, Jacoby Brissett looked good. He ran one in for a touchdown. He had a couple of um, touchdown passes as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he yeah he he had one to Amari Cooper which is just a filthy filthy route. Uh, Nick Chubb had his way on the ground another hundred yards two touchdowns, just just crazy. They they ran all over the Bengals and then even their receivers had Donovan Peoples Jones had a day. Amari Cooper since he was at home it, it's weird. Amari Cooper only seems to show up and have good games when he's at home. But either way he had a great game 131 yards a touchdown. Yeah, it was just crazy. It was utter domination. It was not a good game once again. I'm, I'm so sick of having terrible games in primetime spaces, but it's really a theme for this season. But anyways, I mean, the Bengals, they dropped to 4-4. Four and four. The, the Browns go up to 3-5. and five. So right now it's Ravens in first, then the Bengals in second, uh, Browns in third, and Steelers in fourth. And the funny thing about the division is all the, like, the team above the other is just one game ahead. So, so what I mean is the Ravens are in first, uh, one game ahead of the Bengals in second, who are 4-4, four and four, who are one game ahead of the Browns, who are 3-5, and five, who are one game ahead of the Steelers, who are 2-6. and six. So it's kind of like a little pyramid. The Ravens have five wins, Bengals four, Browns three, Steelers two. You, you, you're catching my drift. But 
Yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a tough loss for the Bengals. It really was. Losing to the Browns uh, without Deshaun Watson, even. They'd still get him again, and Deshaun Watson might be playing by then, if I'm not mistaken. So, But, yeah, I mean, that's that's all that I have on the on the reviews for the games. Some pretty darn good games, honestly, this week, if I'm, not, if I'm being completely honest with you guys. And tomorrow, I hope to have a bunch of content relating to the to the trade deadline. The cool thing about the trade deadline this year is, holy shit, it's lived up to its hype. And there's so many things going on as I record this. I'm getting a ton of notifications, so I can't wait to break them all down with you guys tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode. Really, really do appreciate you guys listening. Once again, you can find me at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Podvine, wherever you guys find your podcast, and then connect with me on social media as well. Gabe underscore Fluellen. Once again, I'm still having a uh, extra points pod Instagram itself, just for the channel itself, the, the marketing for the podcast in and of itself outside of my name as well. So keep in tune for that. Check out extra points podcast on Instagram, uh, Gabe Fluellen, Gabe underscore Fluellen. Hit me with your takes. Anything you guys want. Really do appreciate it. Hope you guys enjoyed. Catch you guys tomorrow morning for an incredible pod on this trade deadline. Can't wait, guys. Have a good one. Peace.